0: Bum Well, studio coming online. Yes, this is the famous Coffee with Scott Adams studio. Going into dark mode in a moment. My lighting will be perfect. Ah, oh, there I am, and there you are. It's good to have you again. Hey, you know what would be great? I'll tell you what would be great. This would be great. It's called the simultaneous sip. It's probably what you're waiting for. If you would like to participate, it doesn't take much. All you need is sing it along with me. You know the words. No, you don't, but imagine you do. Just imagine you can say it in your head. A cup of mugger, a glass of chalice, or a stein, a canteen, sugar, flask, a vessel of any kind. Fill it with your favorite liquid. I like coffee. And join me now for the unparalleled pleasure of the dopamine hit of the day, the thing that makes everything, including the pandemic, better. Get your herd immunity on and join me for the simultaneous sip. It happens now. Go. Mmm. Immunity coming online. I feel as though I could fight off any old virus. Be it bioengineered in a Chinese weapons lab, or be it coming from a a dead bat on a street market. Either one of those. No problem. Well, let's talk about everything that's happened in the last 11 hours since the last time I talked to you. It appears that uh, Chinese... (laughs) China's reputation in the world continues to get worse. I guess Germany's going after them hard in terms of the media. So there's some stories about how hard the uh, German media is going after China. And the US media seems to be, at least the media from the right, seems to be on board anti-China. I'm not sure if the left is fully on board. I think Nancy Pelosi. Still siding with China. You know, independent of politics, there there are some things you can say about politics that are just objectively true. And I think this is objectively true. Nancy Pelosi's not really on our side anymore, is she? And I don't mean, you know, our side, pro-Trump, anti-Trump, like that. I mean, I'm not sure she's on America's side anymore. I mean, it's it's got that far. Normally, I'm not the person who says, oh, don't call them a traitor. They just have different political beliefs and stuff. But my opinion of Pelosi is that her actions are entirely based on Trump personally, right? right. It feels like everything that she does has to do with Trump personally. It doesn't have to do with the voters. It doesn't have to do with the country. It doesn't have to do with Congress or the government. It's just personal, And if she can't get out of that mode, well, we don't need her in any position in our country. So I would say, you know, and I'm not saying just because she's, you know, important Democrat or anything. She seems to be absolutely, completely worthless. No, beyond worthless. Worthless would just be she's not helping. Pelosi seems actively working against the interests of the United States because she's got some bug in her bonnet. You know, I don't want to read her mind. So I'll just say she acts as though, if you're just looking at her actions, she acts as though it's just some kind of personal thing. Uh, That would be my cat's tail that you're seeing. So Boo would like to say hi again, apparently. Say hi, Boo. All right, that's enough of that. Um, And every single day that I open up the news, it looks like it looks like there's just more hatred for China. It's just growing and growing and growing. And here's what I would worry about. This is a persuasion trick. People become whatever you, you act like they are. So, boo, stop it. Uh, so here's an example. If, if you meet somebody new for the first time, and you simply act like you're their best friend, how do they act? Well, they just sort of automatically act friendlier. You know, they might not act like your best friend, but if you act friendly to people, they act friendly back. It's just automatic. We we mirror people automatically. If you treat somebody like an enemy, how will they act? Well, if you treat them like an enemy, they're going to act like an enemy. So to a large extent, it's not 100%, you know, effective, but to a large extent you can cause other people to become what you want by treating them that way. You can actually treat somebody like a friend until they become a friend, treat them like an enemy until they become one. Now, China was kind of a special case, because apparently, at least culturally we're told, uh, the Chinese culture has some kind of dominant, conquering, we-must-take-over-the-world kind of a vibe to it, which, honestly, I would say is unconfirmed. Uh, yeah, my cat's just going crazy over there now. I have to move all the things on my desktop because she's knocking them on the ground. Bad kitty. Um, so, here's the thing. If we just tell China, China... You have done all these bad things. You stole our stuff, and you you lied about the coronavirus, and you're locking Uyghurs in concentration camp, and you're using uh, Falun Gong people for you know forced uh, uh, transplants. Um, you're doing all that, so we're going to treat you like an enemy. How would China respond? Well, I think they'd respond like an enemy. We've we've tried to treat them like a friend, and I think we'd all agree it didn't work, right? It feels like it was worth a try. I, wouldn't, I don't think I would have any bad feeling about anybody who wanted to get closer to China in the past, because it kind of was worth a try. But now we tried. right? So the, the trying is over. We tried. It clearly didn't work. Being friends with them just isn't a model that can work for us. Now, we don't have to be their enemy. That would be the worst thing we could do. The worst thing we could do is just say, all right, you're our enemy now, so we're just going to treat you like an enemy. Wouldn't do that. I would go a different way, and I would depersonalize it, and I think the president's instincts would be similar because he's, he's big on being respectful to the leadership for practical purposes. And you know, the, the idiot to opposition acts as though Trump can't tell the difference between President Xi... Oh, man, did I want to swear just then. Whoa! Every once in a while, the the curse words just well up into my throat, and I I have to, like, eat them to choke them back. But I was going to say some unkind things about President Xi, so I'll say them in less cursey tones. President Trump, apparently, is smarter than all of his critics on the left, unless they're just pretending. Because quite obviously, and he's not trying to hide it even in the least, When he talks about President Xi being awesome and powerful and a good friend of his, that's not personal. He's not actually talking about his good friend, President Xi. If you believe that, you're an idiot. No. The president is treating the leader of the biggest country in the world, at least in population, with respect because that's functionally the best thing to do. It's obvious it's just for effect. Now, does he like him personally? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I mean, they spent some time together. He might like him personally. But believe me, whatever President Trump says about President Xi in public to the United States is for effect. It's not what he actually thinks. How dumb would you have to be to think that the president, this is the only time he's telling you exactly what he really thinks? No, he's the president. He's treating other leaders with respect. He tells you that directly. He says it directly, of course I'm treating the leaders with respect, and then he goes hard at them with tariffs and other complaints. So, um, so I think the president's on the same page, which you don't need to treat them like an enemy, at, but at the same time you could be clear-eyed about what the, the risk is. So here's how I would go. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it better. Rather than treating China as an enemy, we should treat it as an incompatible system. We should just say, you know, we, we've got this electronic thing we want to plug into the wall socket, but we need voltage of 110. You've got 220. It's not our it's not our opinion that that's good or bad. We're not criticizing you. You're not our enemy. I'm just saying I have a toaster. It requires 110, but your system is 220. We tried plugging in, and it blew up my toaster. And then we tried plugging in the, you know, the, the hairdryer, and the hairdryer blew up too. So then we tried plugging in our electric car, and my Tesla blew up. And then I tried you know, plugging in my phone, and my phone blew up. How many things do we have to blow up before we find out that you can't plug a 110 device into a 220 outlet? So we should, so he says, get an adapter. Stop it, you engineers. Stop ruining my analogy with your clever, clever engineering solutions. My point is, we should just say, while you have a system that doesn't have transparency, you can't connect to a system that does. Now, do we have all the transparency in the world? No. You know, even the United States could have far better transparency, but it's pretty good, wouldn't you say? I mean, we are pretty close to transparent, I mean, we even have, <laughs> we even have transparency on things that didn't happen. We have so much transparency. We know the things that did happen behind closed doors, plus people are writing entire books about things that didn't even happen. We have whatever is more than transparency. We have people actually making stuff up, and they still don't go to jail. (laughs) Imagine that in China. Imagine in China, somebody writes a book, and you just make up a bunch of stuff that happened behind closed doors that the president said. Oh, yeah, then President Xi said, you know, let's uh, let's kill all the Uyghurs, or whatever, and imagine that how long that would last in China. So not only does the United States have transparency, but we have whatever's past that, where people can just make stuff up, and they still don't go to jail. It's kind of amazing, actually. So I think you could boil it down to that. You can't plug a transparent system into a, a non-transparent system and get a good, get a good result <laughs> for the transparent one the non-transparent one will do just fine right remember you plug your toaster into the 220 the toaster blows up i don't know if this is true because i'm not an electrician but imagine if i were an electrician and i knew what i was talking about right now wouldn't this be a cool story so just imagine this is true you plug your 110 uh, (laughs) i have no idea if this happens you plug your 110 uh You couldn't do it because the plugs would be different, but imagine you did. You plug it in, your toaster blows up, but the 220 outlet is fine. The outlet is fine. It's only the toaster that got injured. So as long as we're a transparent system, we're vulnerable to plug into a non-transparent system. And I think we should just keep it simple, say it's not about communism. We don't care. Do we care? Do you really care if if the Chinese government is communist? No, you only care how it affects you, how it affects the world. We don't really care how other countries govern themselves. I mean, we'd like them not to be murdering their citizens, right? But it is kind of up to them. I mean, you know, there's not much we can do about it. So uh, that's how I'd do it. I would depersonalize it and say, you can't plug a transparent system into a non-transparent system. And if you do, only one of them can win. Only the non-transparent can win because they can take from the transparent side, but they give nothing. They don't even tell you if they have a pandemic coming. Um, so that's the, That's how I would decouple. I would decouple entirely based on transparency, because it can't be argued. There's no argument about it. And you don't have to argue whether a, uh, a communist system is better than a democratic system, right? Because transparency isn't really... Technically built into the communist system. If you said, China, can you describe the communist system? Would there be anything on their list that describes their government in their own opinion that said, oh, yeah, and we don't do transparency because communists don't do transparency? That's not actually part of the system. So you can actually ignore communism in your, in, in, ignore the entire system of government and say, we don't really care what kind of system you have. We care about transparency, and if you don't have that, it doesn't matter what else you're doing. We don't care if you've got a king, a dictator, a communist system. We don't care if you're democratic. You could be democrats. If you have no transparency, I guess it doesn't work if you're democratic, but if you have no transparency to us, it doesn't work. All right, so China's going down. There's no two ways about it. Let me say this as, as clearly as I can. In five years, China is going to be a bad place. It's going to be a bad place because it's, it's going to be doing nothing but going downhill. And I think that's guaranteed at this point. The U.S., however, in five years is going to be really, really good shape. I'll tell you where you want to be, the United States in five years. Boy, do you want to be in the United States in five years because it's going to be an amazing place. This year, a little, a little problematic. All right. Um, so last night on was it uh, uh, Levin Show? I think it was uh, Dr. David Katz, the founding director of the Yale Griffin Prevention Research Center in Connecticut. He says what I've been saying. So apparently, I'm a qualified virologist now, because what I've been saying for months is now being said by an actual doctor. Now, it's not like other doctors haven't said this before, but he's the clearest one. Uh, and it goes like this. He says if you... Um, I want to get at his exact words. Oh, uh, well, I didn't write down his exact words. The basic thing is he's saying that unless you have vaccines, which we don't have, or you have herd immunity, herd immunity, which we don't have, Unless you have one of those two things, there's no such thing as getting back to normal. And he suggests that um, the longer we're in isolation and avoiding the virus, we're just pushing the problem into the future. Now, I suppose you could push it into the future, like theoretically, until the vaccine's here. But we know that won't work because it's just too long. And if if we, we can't close the economy for a year or 18 months. I think everybody agrees, agrees that's too long. So we can't wait for a vaccine. So let's take one of the two possibilities off the table. All right. If vaccine doesn't help us soon enough, what is the only other thing that could work, according to a doctor who is an expert on prevention? I assume it's this kind of prevention. And uh, actually, I don't know what kind of prevention he's a doctor of, so let's, let me not assume I know his credentials. But he got on TV. (laughs) He's a doctor who got on TV. That's worth something. Um, And uh, so he's basically saying we should go ahead and get the herd immunity. Well, he doesn't say it as directly as that. I'll just say it directly. So I've said that we should rethink what our goal is. The goal should not be to avoid it. The goal should be to get it in the most uh, careful way. So in other words, um, if we're not already letting out the people who are unlikely to uh, die from it so that they can get some immunity, we can't really ever get there. There, There's no way to get from here to there, right? So I'm very much on that team, which is to say, um, and I think we're on the right path, really, because as we carefully reopen the government, the infections should spread, I think the only gating factor should be the ICUs, and uh, unfortunately, the only thing that should slow us down is the hospital resources. And I think we're in much, much better shape on hospital resources than we thought we would be. So that seems to be the only path. And you know what's interesting about it is that the public, with all their protests and going to the beach and huddling and stuff, it seems to me... Um yeah actually no people didn't talk about convalescent um, blood serum. He should have said that that was the third option, right? Because wouldn't convalescent blood serum also get you to something like herd immunity if you did enough of it? So um I think we should change our uh, strategy. I think our strategy should get should be explicitly to get to herd immunity but to do it with the least possible death. So there's probably some strategy for doing that that involves infecting the young, keeping the old away for at least a month, and then then hoping you've got immunity. Maybe you can test for antibodies in a few months. Anyway, I would like to see our goal explicitly changed to careful herd immunity and or vaccinations. Because right now, just hiding... I feel like isn't getting us closer to the end point, as this doctor says, is just pushing off the endpoint. And I and if you push off the endpoint, you're also pushing off the point that your that your economy can recover. It certainly makes point makes sense to push off your your endpoint if the only thing you're worried about is dying, because it keeps your hospital resources as open as possible. But if the economy is a variable too, I think you want to do it sooner. I think you want to get the economy going, get the infections going. You know, X number of people are going to die no matter what you do. It's, a, it's an adult decision. And, um, and by the way, I, I've heard a number of other people use the phrase adult decision. It's a really good one. Yeah, in terms of uh, persuasion, if you get in an argument with some idiot who's just being political and acting as though there's a choice where nobody dies... That's the child view. I'll take the child view, please, where the economy's good and um, nobody gets the virus. I'll have that one, please. And you say, well, we don't have that choice. You know, you've you got to make tough choices. Somebody's going to die because the economy went bad. Different people. Other people will die if you do the other plan where it's, the virus goes everywhere. So you just sort of have to pick. And I'll say it again. If, if there's nobody in the country who wants to make the choice... I'll do it, you know, not my job, obviously, nor do I think I'm especially qualified. But if you need an adult to make an adult decision and you don't want to make it yourself, I'll do it. I won't like it. I mean, it would you know mess me up for the rest of my life, wouldn't it? I mean, if you made a decision that you knew killed people, you'd never really be the same, I don't think. I don't think I would be the same. But if it's the only way to get from here to there, The country requires somebody to make a decision and it's going to have some kind of a, you know, a psychic load on that person for the rest of their life. Well, I'm pretty, I'm pretty hardened against that thing. I'm pretty mentally tough. I'll do it. If you need an adult to tell you which way to go and people are going to die, I'll do it. If we don't have any other adults who will do it, I'll do it. All right. Um, That we won't come to that. I'm just saying that uh, we should just stop talking with children about the impossible ways let's get a flying unicorn and then the economy will be good and nobody will have the virus. Okay, children, you're done now. Speaking of children, uh, so-called comedian Patton Oswald. I hate, I hate Patton Oswald by the way. <laughs> I just hate him personally. Now he's come after me personally on, uh, on Twitter. He's just a horrible little troll of a man. And, uh, and he's, he, I think he went after uh, Greg Gutfeld this week. And uh, so now people are going after him. So here's what he said. Uh, and of course, I'm not, I'm not the guy who thinks you should get in trouble for jokes. Right? So I'm not going to say somebody should lose their job or something because they made a stupid joke, especially if you're a, a comedian. I mean, I just said, Patton Oswald is a horrible human being, as far as I can tell. He's just a terrible person based on his public. Public uh, persona. I don't know him personally, um, and so here's what he said. But even so, he's a, even though he's a terrible person, I don't think anybody should lose their job for a bad joke. But here's what he said, and on Twitter, he said Anne Frank spent two years hiding in an attic. So you know, already he's on sh- shaky ground. <laughs> if the first two words in your tweet are Anne Frank. It almost doesn't matter what comes out in the rest of the tweet. You're going to get some attention. You start with Anne Frank. That's that's starting strong. All right. Uh, so he says Anne Frank spent two years hiding in an attic, and, uh, and we've been home for just over a month, with Netflix, food delivery, and video games. And there are people risking viral death by storming state capitol buildings and screaming, "Open ruckers, He tweeted. Um, now. On a on a comedy level, not bad, not bad. I mean, Patton Oswald is a famous comedian because he's good at comedy. You can't take that away from him. Um, and, and I also, in terms of judging artists in general, since I'm usually on the the receiving end of the judgment, I always like to say that if there are if an audience is paying for your work, it's not bad. So anybody who says that a comedian is not funny at the same time that a comedian fills entire stadiums of people buying a ticket and they know why they're there and they're happy when they leave, that's not a bad artist. <laughs> that's somebody who filled a room with people who wanted to pay for it. So Patton Oswalt, he fills rooms with people who want to pay for his content. So he's, he's, good, he's good at what he does. I can still hate him for just being a horrible person, though. So his tweet is funny. But, uh, of course, uh, he's, he was blamed of being a little uh, tone deaf, not reading the room, because it, this does not describe everybody in the country watching Netflix with their food delivery and video games. You do know there are people who can't afford food delivery. They're called most of the people in the United States. Probably the majority, wouldn't you say? I, I would guess over half of the country wouldn't do takeout even if they wanted it because it would cost a few bucks extra. I think at least half the country doesn't do takeout orders or delivery even if it's not a coronavirus. It's got to be half more, 75%. It might be 75% of the country has never done delivery of groceries because they can't afford it. Wouldn't you say? Maybe 75%? I'm just guessing. It's at least 50% have never had food delivered to their house because you wouldn't pay extra for it. Yeah, somebody's saying three quarters. I think it might be 75. It could be higher. It could be 80% of the country. I don't know. Wouldn't be surprised. So Patton definitely wasn't uh, reading the the tone of the country there. Here's a horrible story that I'm only going to tell you because of the way I feel about it. I want to see if you've gotten to this point too. Um, This is a terrible story. You're not going to like me more after I say this, so let me just warn you. I'm going to reveal a little bit too much about my inner thoughts, and I really shouldn't do this, but I feel like it anyway. It's like, you ever do something that you know you shouldn't do, and you know you're going to do it anyway, and even when you know you shouldn't do it, you say, I know I shouldn't do this, now watch me do it. I don't know why I'm doing this, because I just said I know I shouldn't do this. Well, I'm going to do this right now. It was a California mayor um, uh, who uh, got in trouble for doing some public presentation where he showed uh, a Ku Klux Klan photo and compared it to Trump supporters. So, so this is a mayor of Auburn, California, and he had just recently on social media posted a meme comparing Trump supporters to the KKK. Well, he died in a small plane crash yesterday. And I thought to myself, I don't have empathy. I have, I have lots of empathy for his family. Right. So to his family, of course, of course, 100% empathy. Nothing else would be even human. But I, honestly, this is the part I don't want to admit in public, but I'm going to do it anyway. If somebody who is an elected official has put me into a category, because I'm a Trump supporter, not a conservative, not a Republican, but definitely a Trump supporter. He puts me in the category with the KKK in public, and that he dies, I don't fucking care. Sorry, didn't mean to swear. I actually don't care. I do care about his family, I mean, genuinely. You don't want anybody to die if they've loved ones, etc. And that part is a tragedy. But let me say it as clearly as I can. If you're an elected official and you've compared some part of the American public who just want, you know, freedom and a constitution and people follow the laws and don't raise my taxes too much, if you're calling them the KKK in public and you're an elected official and, yeah, sure, he was joking, right? Sure, he was joking, not really. I mean, he was joking in the sense he didn't literally mean the KKK, but he meant to compare them. And I got to say, I don't have any empathy for him. He died in a terrible accident, and I actually just don't care. I think he deserved it. There's, deserves a tough word. Nobody should ever say anybody deserves that. So I'll take back deserved. I will say that he, um, he abdicated his right to empathy. Let's say that. Nobody deserves it. So nobody deserves it. I want to be as clear as I can. Nobody deserves to die in a bad accident. But you could certainly abdicate your right to empathy. And I think he did. That's all I'm saying. Um, I, I like to, So there's a former NASA scientist who uh, saw on Fox News piece, who was talking about this thing called uh, far-UV light, and his take on it was really, really good. And I don't know. I've said before that uh, engineers are going to save the world just over and over again, scientists, but also engineers. And this is this is a good example. So the scientists, and this guy's a scientist, former NASA scientist was saying that this special kind of UV light, it's not the normal kind, it's a special range far UV, whatever that is, Uh, we know that it kills the virus, and we've known that for a while. In fact, there are industrial devices with this light that actually do that right now. They work in hospitals, and they they kill the virus. And what the uh, scientist was saying was essentially an engineering solution. So it's one thing to invent things, but they have to actually be spread into the public and implemented. And that's where the engineers come in. And so the scientist was saying that instead of using these devices to, uh, let's say, decontaminate something you you know is contaminated, which is the normal way your brain works, so your brain says, oh, wait, there's this light, and you know it kills the virus, so we'll use this in all the places that there's a virus, like if I have a mask I wanted to de- de- decontaminate it. Maybe I'd put that in there. you know. If I had a, a, something specific that was uh, contaminated, I'd put that light there. And then the, but then the scientist gives this twist on it. And it, cha- it completely changes what I thought of this idea. It, and he put an engineering spin on it. And he said, you don't want to use it to kill the virus where you know there's a virus. You just want to put them everywhere. Because apparently you could even put one in the, you know, attach one to the dashboard of your car or, you know, up to the, hang one from the the rear view light. It would just be a little unit and all day long, you know, or at least when you turned it on, it would just shoot some UV light into the environment. It would be killing the virus if it were in your car. So without even knowing if your car would ever be infected, you put this little device there. During the day, periodically, it just shoots out some far UV lights and, if anybody had some, and if they touched your car on the inside, it would kill it. Now he's saying you could put it in you know, doorways. You could build a doorway so that if you walk through it, the UV light would kill some stuff that was on your body. Maybe you could, put, you could build it into the ceiling lights, and they actually showed a prototype. It was actually a ceiling light that during the day just shoots UV light out in addition to the regular room light. So if the regular room light is on, Somebody says, I already did this, interesting. So if the regular room light is on, you can't even see the UV light, so it could just be on during the day, killing viruses in your environment and you never know. And to me, that seems like a really scalable solution. It doesn't look like it's necessarily too scalable in the next 12 months, but if we're talking about the future of humanity, and, and I think that's what the NASA scientist is talking about. Because we've got pandemic after pandemic after pandemic, right? Now, to the extent that they're all viruses, they probably are all susceptible to the same kind of treatment. Yeah, airplanes. Airplanes would be the obvious one where you'd do you want to put this. So you could easily imagine. And um, let me ask you a question. How much do you think it cost if you were to make a consumer product that was handheld or, you know, ceiling mounted, or maybe it's just a light bulb. I mean, it could be just a light bulb, right? But what would it cost per room or or per car, I suppose? What would it cost if you got your production down per unit? And I'm thinking, I'll bet you could get one of those devices below $20 pretty quickly for, let's say, a small space, like a bedroom or something, or bathroom maybe. Um, I'll bet you could get your whole house done for, I don't know, under a thousand dollars if you got the good stuff and maybe under three hundred dollars if if you went cheap. Maybe your car unit would be, you know, fifty bucks, sits up there, and you just change the batteries now and then. Something like that. <laughs> Somebody says five G will kill them. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? Imagine waking up tomorrow and finding out that we killed the coronavirus by just, you know, cranking up all the five G cell towers for a few minutes. Just turn them up for a few minutes. We killed all the virus. I don't think that'll happen. All right. Uh, So that's one of the more uh, hopeful things I've heard because it does feel like even if we beat the coronavirus, it's just going to be one virus every X year is killing our economy. So it would be good to have some kind of permanent way to suppress it. Um, Let's talk about that skate park. (laughs) Yeah, cruise ships are another... Another gray one. Somebody says they have them on Amazon. Is that right? I don't know. I'm not sure I would. I, I don't think I would trust an, uh, anything on Amazon during the uh, coronavirus because there's a lot of uh, scams. So let me just check. Somebody said it's. Oh, uh, let me talk. I'm going to talk about the systems in a minute. So that would be far UV light. Far. UV. Let's see. And the answer is, oh, yeah, germicidal lamps. So for $114, you could buy a, a pack of 60-watt light bulbs that are allegedly germicidal lamps. But here's my warning to you. Oh, yeah, there's a whole bunch of light bulbs. I'll be darned. Sanitizing light bulbs. Um, they all say UV. Not far UV. So here's what I would caution you. Uh oh, and there's one that you stick your hand into. Interesting. So yeah, there's all kinds of products in that category, but they don't use the word FAR. And here's the thing I would worry about. It's very likely that there's a specific kind of UV, the FAR UV, whatever that is, I don't know, that works better than other UV things. Um, And so I'm thinking that the regular UV might be a little bit useful and the far UV might be very useful. So I would be cautious of anything you buy during the coronavirus because it's probably as many scams as there are real products. I don't know how you can tell. Somebody says they're made in China. I'll bet they are. What would happen if you found out that the reason China got it under control was they're using far UV in their light bulbs, and they didn't tell us? Uh, somebody says 5G could be the problem, not the cure. Yeah, maybe. Uh, somebody says you're an LED expert, electrical engineer. Well, good. There might have been more to that. Yeah, there's some YouTubes on this. People are sending me URLs, I see not a novel approach it's been out there yeah that's what i said i said it's been out there forever it's a common approach but what was different is to have it engineered into everything uh, to me that was the breakthrough the breakthrough is not that the uv light kills the virus uh the problem is that uh it's not in the places it needs to and apparently it could be apparently it could be there's no difference or it could be um worried about our own immune system you know what would be interesting i wonder if you could test our immune systems before and after the coronavirus are you you curious about that because you know as i've told you many times i think many of you are doing the same thing i am consciously working on my immune system so it almost every decision i make during the day is directly or indirectly related to my immune system because at the moment it's my highest priority because I figure eventually I'm going to get exposed to the virus sooner or later and I want to be in good shape. So for example, are there, are there so many people who are doing something similar? And it could be, you know, just work was more stressful than staying home for a lot of people. As long as you're still getting a paycheck, staying home is probably a little less tense than going to work for a lot of people. Maybe the reverse for some of us, too. Anyway, the question is, if you could measure our immune, if there's a way to do that directly, our immunity before and after coronavirus shutdown, would it be higher or lower? I'm pretty sure mine would be higher, if, assuming that I could actually boost my immunity by lifestyle in in the, you know in a few months, and I think you can. I'd, you know, I'd love to get an opinion if there's a medical doctor here who knows this. How much can you boost your immunity through lifestyle, uh, let's say, in a month? you know, do, Can you make an appreciable difference in your overall body's immunity in a month? Or, or is it a case of the average person with good immunity has good days and bad days based on what they did that day? In other words, if you didn't get any sleep that day, is your immunity lower? If you're t- more tense that day, if you... Uh, i don't know if you if you over exercise and wore your out yourself out so that's my question, and the reason I'm asking this is it's entirely possible i'll just throw this out as the most ridiculous optimistic statement anybody ever said okay if the problem with this virus is that it it kills more well it seems to be extra deadly uh, at least in quantity, if not in ratio, meaning that it might not be killing such a high ratio of people who get it, but there are lots of them because it's, it's a pretty viral thing. So if there are lots of them, and you know it's deadly, what would happen if our immunity went up 20%, let's say, if you could measure such a thing, and then we were released back into the wild to get some herd immunity? Would, bo- would boosting your immunity by 20% Make a huge difference in the mortality rate and in the way. Um, Somebody says, I was just looking at the comments because this is funny. Uh, Steve says, damn, I was waiting for a Monday uh, call and it's not Monday. Welcome to the club. No idea what day it is most of the time. No idea. In fact, it's worse for me. You think it's bad for you, you don't know what day it is. I don't know what time of the day it is. Because I, I put my blackout curtains down when I do these periscopes. So when the curtains are down, it, it could be any any time of day. I don't know what it is outside. Because I do the periscope at the same time of the day in the a.m. as the p.m. So my local time is 7 a.m. and then again at 7 p.m. I have this weird experience like last night where you know, I do my periscope. I was probably in bed by 9.30ish. And, and then I wake up, and I, I slept a little late today, and I'm just doing it again. So I've got this Groundhog Day thing where I do this periscope, I go to sleep, and then I do the periscope, and then I do some things, and then I do a periscope. And I have to tell you, on several occasions, I couldn't remember if it was morning or night. <laughs> I actually couldn't tell. I was sitting there thinking, I know I've got to do a periscope, but... Is this the morning, or is this the night? And a few times I've had to, I actually had to, uh, once I had to look outside, just to, tell, to to figure out if it was morning or night. So that's bad. All right. Let's talk about this uh, skate park. This is one of those stories people like to talk about because you understand it. There's, there's nothing to it you don't understand. So there's some skate park, I think it was in Southern California, where they filled it in with sand so that people wouldn't use it in violation of the, uh, of the ban on getting together. And a lot of people said, that's outrageous, it's outrageous, except probably not. I don't think it was outrageous. If you wanted to keep people from using it, and you didn't want to put a staff there 100% of the time, and the signs didn't work, and you knew that people would be you know, congregating too close, Well, fill it with sand. You can always take it out. So, I don't know, people are outraged because somebody found a clever solution to these things, just fill it with sand. I don't know. Uh, You could argue that skateboarders don't get that close to each other, but in my experience, I've actually spent quite a bit of time at skate parks. How many of you have spent time at skate parks? (laughs) Because I have. I've spent a lot of time at... uh, skateboarding parks in my local town, not skateboarding, but watching my stepson at the time. And uh, they can get pretty busy. There's a lot of of social interaction there. So I would not disagree with them acting creatively and making that skate park unavailable. All right, anybody have any uh, other questions? Sleep tips. Um, I will give you some more sleep tips tonight uh, because I think you should look at sleep as a skill. Oh, it's in Venice, California, is the skate park. San Clemente, some people say. All right. Yeah, they tried caution tape first. You can't really get teenage boys, and they're mostly boys, you really can't get them to obey rules. So, maybe fill it in with sand. Um, yeah, I don't even think a fence would stop them. You know, the thing with the sand is that it's temporary. It's not that hard to take the sand out of it. It's not going to hurt anything. Harder to harder to take it down than put it in? Yeah, it'll be harder, but it's not that big a deal. You got brooms, sweep it. Um, is there any other... Uh, thing you would like from me uh, in subsequent periscopes that would be in the form of a lesson. Something, something you think I know how to do that you would like me to teach you how to do. Among the possibilities are systems for fitness, systems for diet. Those of you who are new to me are wondering, um, what, what are you talking about? I thought you were a cartoonist. Why would you have a system for diet and a system for fitness? And if you did, why would I care about it? Because after all, you're a cartoonist. And the answer is, uh, what I teach is systems that would work in any domain. So it's not a specific system. It's just how to build a system for fitness and how to design a system for that sort of thing. So I'm probably going to be doing that stuff pretty soon. And um, yeah, walking helps a lot. All right, just looking at your comments before I sign off. Um, Yeah, the counting to 20 is an amazing technique, and I'll I'll reinforce that, because the more it's reinforced, the more powerful it is. Um, The new Biden ad. Yeah, so the Biden ad tries to make it look like Trump did everything wrong in the pandemic and everything wrong dealing with China. And it it makes China the the enemy, and then it tries to say that uh, Trump did a bad job dealing with the enemy of China. And as Tim Pool pointed out in a tweet this morning, I don't think they thought this through. (laughs) (laughs) Because if Joe Biden succeeds, in making it look like china is the big old enemy who are you going to vote for <laughs> i mean seriously if if the only thing you got out of that ad is that china is really dangerous and we better be tough with them who are you going to vote for you're not going to vote for biden if you if you think that biden is accurate in saying that china is a big old problem i mean it's like it's almost like the mole came up with that you know the mole is my the uh, theoretical person who gives bad advice to the other side. Oh, assistant to learn how to draw. Sure, I could, I could teach you that. Uh, pitching ideas for projects. That's a good one. I'm not sure I'm the best at pitching ideas for projects, but I could probably get you there. Yeah, I could probably get you into the top 20% pretty easily. <laughs> uh, the New Jersey cop drones. Well, I think we have to get used to drones being everywhere. I think drones will be everywhere. I think that they're going to have facial recognition. They're going to be able to sense things in the environment. Um, they might even be able to… At, at some point, you're, you're going to have military drones in the air. You're going to have armed drones in the air sooner or later. Um, Somebody says Biden is less dangerously creepy now that he has early onset dementia. (laughs) Lady Gaga is Biden's visiting angel. (laughs) Don't you wonder what, uh, you know, in in their private moments, do you ever wonder if the Biden supporters like uh, Alyssa Milano and Lady Gaga and stuff, don't you wonder what they say in their private moments? Because privately, don't you think they say, Yeah, we know he's lost it, but we just, we can't have another, you know, we can't have the orange monster elected again. Don't you think privately they know that Biden's already done, at least in terms of mentally? Oh, a drawing for kids. Yeah, I could give you a a drawing lesson for kids. Okay, I'll do that. Uh, I'll make that one of my uh, to-dos. All right, that's all I got for today, and I'll talk to you tonight. You know when.